in week two of talking about John the Baptist. And just to give you some why John the Baptist is so important, and most of us don't know that much about him, but the Gospel of Luke starts off with John the Baptist. The Gospel of Mark starts off with John the Baptist. The Gospel of John starts off with John the Baptist. And so he is critical to the Gospel story. And as we said last week, Everything in the story of John the Baptist is evidence of the mighty intervention of God throughout the whole thing. Even what we're going to talk about today, John fulfilled, we're going to keep asking this question as we go through it. John fulfilled his purpose, his call on his life. Are you fulfilling yours? Because we all have a call. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here today, I guarantee you. God has a reason, God has a rhyme, God has a purpose why you are still here, why you are still taking breath. Uh, I enjoyed a service, and I say enjoyed, a funeral service yesterday. Went down to Fresno for my good friend Mitch, whose mom passed away. It was truly a celebration because you saw the impact that this woman had on her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, as they all got up and gave testimony about their mom, she truly lived out her purpose. And that's just not a unique setting. That's all of us. Every single one of you in this room have a reason. I mean, you're here for a reason today. He got you up, got you dressed, and got you here for a reason. Let's not miss what that is. And today we're going to be talking about John's wilderness time. Here's the main idea. Time in the wilderness is not a waste. I've been walking with Jesus now a little over 40 years, and I have had many, 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 many wilderness times or desert times where I didn't feel God was listening or God was concerned or had I taken a wrong turn along the way. Time in the wilderness is not a waste. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke. We're going to kind of a little camping out in Luke today. Um, We ended, actually we began and ended the service with this passage out of Luke 166 that says, everyone who heard this wondered about and asking, what then is this child going to be? Because again, Zachariah and Elizabeth having a baby in their older age when it was beyond time of people having kids, and they were asking, as their parents were asking, as all of us have asked, as I was just holding my grandson in the back, singing to him as he's looking at everything, because, you know, he's a pandemic baby. He's not used to being around people, and just as he's looking at you guys and looking at the colors and Mimi singing, and I mean, as he's noticing things, again, I sit there, what will this child grow up to be. Because just like John, and just like me, and just like my grandson and granddaughter, my kids, God's hand is on them. And as his parents asked that, because the angel declared all the things, as we talked about last week, of what he was going to be. He was going to be a joy. He was going to be a gift in the sight of God. He was going to be different. Don't allow him to drink any alcohol. He was filled with the Holy Spirit at birth. No other person has been described that way. He was going to bring people back to God. 
and he was going to be a prophet. Now understand, when that declaration was made in Israel, there hadn't been a prophet for 400 years. There, no one alive had ever heard a prophet. They'd read about the prophets. They'd heard about prophets, but no one had experienced it. And now this child is going to be a prophet in the, in the, like Elijah was. Now, if you were Jewish or maybe, maybe one of you here was raised Jewish, you would do a, what was called a, a, a Seder dinner during the Passover. And there would be a celebration telling the story of the Jews coming out of Exodus, out of Egypt. But one thing at the table that is there, there's always a chair that was left empty. Not for someone to show up, a family member, in case they showed up. A chair was always left empty for the prophet Elijah. Because every Jewish home knew, according to Malachi, there was going to be a prophet. He is going to be Elijah come back, and he is going to be the forerunner. He is going to talk about the Messiah. So every Seder dinner, the Jews would talk about this. The kids were raised in this. And all of a sudden, this declaration that he is going to be a prophet, guys, guarantee the ears were going on. They go, prophet? We haven't seen a prophet. Could this be? Could this be? And in the, raised up like Elijah? And so after Zechariah first doesn't believe the angel, he's, he can't talk or can't speak for nine months till the baby's born. And when they start to name him, he bursts out, his name is John. And all of a sudden, in verse 68, he, it's called Zechariah's song in your Bibles. It probably says that above that. But this is what he said about his kid that just was born. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. And he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. So long ago. Guys, God makes promises and God makes those. It may not come about in the timing, rarely in the timing that we want. But I guarantee you when God makes an oath, when God makes a promise, he finishes it. He sees it through. To rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days. Verse 76. And you, my child, so imagine Zechariah holding that baby, his first, as he's looking at. And you, my child, will be a, called a prophet of the Most High. And you will go before the Lord, preparing the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. My son will go before the Messiah that we have long waited for. You think there's a little pressure on John? <laughs> I mean, I, I, again, I, we don't know anything about his childhood, okay? We, we, he's here at this point. And then he pops out of the desert at 30-something years old, all right? 
So we can only speculate. We can only begin to think of what was going on during that time. And he was definitely homeschooled. That's not a plug for homeschooling. And again, if you homeschool, that's fine. That's amen. But we all should be homeschooling our kids in the things of God. So let me stop preaching for a minute. I'm going to start meddling just a little bit, okay? Guys, we have a great program for the kids. We've got a great program for youth. You've allowed me to hire some great people to do that. And their job is to instruct them. Their job is to disciple them in the things of the Lord. But if they're not getting that at home, it's not going to stick. Okay? They need to hear that from you. I mean, do not just depend. Oh, they're all going to get in there. I mean, they have great people. I'll let them talk about God. Your kids need to hear it from you. Your kids need to see you praying. The kids need to hear how you tell the stories and see your faith in action because that's going to make it real to them. If you wonder why high school kids, they get towards senior year or into college and they check out on God, not always, but a great many times, it's I don't have to go. One, my parents aren't making me. And two, it was just something they did on Sunday. If you want the faith to continue in your kids, they need to experience it through you. Okay, I'm done meddling now. Okay. So imagine school at home. All right, okay. Those are all homeschoolers clapping. <laughs> imagine school at home. I mean, because Zachariah was a priest. You have to begin to imagine what he grew up in. I mean... Dad would go away twice a year to Jerusalem to serve at the temple for a week. It'd be six days, including two Sabbaths. And every time he'd come home, what, 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 what did you do this time, Dad? And John, they're instructing him because, why? he's the future prophet. What kind of pressure is that on parents? I mean, yeah, Mary and Joseph had it. They had the Savior to deal with, but this is, this is the, the prophet, the first prophet in 400 years. You don't think there was a little teaching time? All right, son, I took the lamb because someday a lamb of God will come. One of the first words out of John's mouth that we have written is when John sees Jesus on the other side, he tells his disciples, behold the lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the guarantee that he heard that from his daddy. I mean, the pressure he had to be in. And I, I was wondering, how many times did John, because he wasn't a perfect child. Yeah, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he wasn't like super kid. All right. He was a kid just like everybody else. How many times did his mom or dad kind of throw, hey, you're the prophet. Would a future prophet do that? All right. Would a future prophet talk to his mother that way? Get that bug out of your mouth. I mean, all the things that you got to think of it that he went through and to realize they were old. And we don't know when they died, but I guarantee you they weren't alive when he started his ministry. And so at some point when his parents passed, he went into the desert. Luke 180 says this, and the child grew up and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And guys, that was 20 years. 20 years. There's 20 years between Luke 
at the end of Luke and Luke chapter 3. We take the Bible and we kind of squish timelines, okay? Because you read, I just was circling, I was reading about David and his son Absalom this last week. I'm circling because it says then three years later, then four years later, within a couple chapters. I mean, you're talking a decade within three chapters. We, we squish it. So understand, John was in the desert by himself. I mean, he didn't have father, he didn't have mom, sister, bro, nothing. Now, some, Luke 3, 23, we know he came out of the desert because it says in verse 2, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. And then he went into the country, to the Jordan, preaching baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. 20 years in a desert. A desert, not, not like, you know, a lot of times we think of deserts and sand and it was more rocky, caves, that kind of, wasn't a lot of uh, living stuff out there except for wild beasts. Matter of fact, the Jews referred to their desert as the abomination of desolation. You've heard that before because that's in the book of Revelation. It wasn't a place that you would set up camp. I mean, I know some people go to the desert to camp, but then they leave, all right? He was there 20 years. And we have no idea what took place that 20 years. Nothing is written about it. Some say he hooked up with a, a group called the Essenes. Now, the Essenes were like a mystical Jewish group. They came into being about 100 BC, and they kind of end off uh, as far as their existence after Rome sacked Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD. We know about the Essenes more now because the Dead Sea Scrolls that were discovered. I mean, that's where all the interest is. I mean, and, and so... With that, the Essenes became, I mean, they were kind of like John. I mean, they did some of the same things John did. They lived in the desert. They, they, they preached that they were crying out in the wilderness. They were waiting for a Messiah. But John was a lot different than the Essenes. I mean, he, his diet was locusts and honey, all right? He wore a camel skin jacket wrapped with a rope. I mean, he was very simple and everything about him. But we know this about desert. Throughout the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, the wilderness was a training ground for future prophets. It seems like there was always a desert connected to that, where God was fashioning their character, where God was making them truly, in a good sense, a prisoner for the Lord. Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elijah, all had desert experiences. And so in that desert experience, it's often in the wilderness where God reveals himself to be enough. Now, it's often in the wilderness, in the desert, in those dry times where God reveals himself to be enough. Time in the wilderness is not a waste. Um, again, I've had many, many, many wilderness experiences in my life. And I've put them all in my journals of time where I just was walking in a desert, it felt like. Had a friend call me a couple of weeks ago. Say, Tim, I just feel like I'm walking in a desert. And so as we talked, I said, dude, here's the deal. First rule of thumb when you're walking in the desert, don't stop walking, okay? You don't stop. You keep going, 
All right, don't stop. And I gave him just a checklist of things of, these are some of the things you need to ask yourself. I told him, man, is there unconfessed sin in your life? Or am I just going through the motions of my faith? You know, I've lost my first love, like Revelation talks about. That God never moves away from me, have I moved away from him in some way? Or there are circumstances in my life that I'm dealing with. I mean, COVID, pandemic, church, fear of family, trust issues. I mean, if I'm looking at the circumstances that I find myself in, is that part of it? Or am I just bored? Been doing the same thing over and over again. Kind of like if you guys go to the gym. You go to the gym, you have, if you get stuck in a routine, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to lift here, I'm going to do this, you'll, your body will physically get stuck. It won't move any further. You won't get stronger because you've all of a sudden, you've just dump, 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 and then done. You can time it. Shift things around. Try something different. I came across this article by a pastor named Dustin Crow who, who, uh, talked about his wilderness, wilderness time, and there were some good points in there. So between him and I, we, we may, I think we added some things to think about for us as we walk through a wilderness. One, the wilderness can be a place of judgment. It can be. Uh, you've got Moses and Joshua. You've got the 12 spies that have come back from the promised land, give a report. Ten of them said, no, the giants are in the land. Two of them said, no, we can do this, Joshua and Caleb. But judgment happened because the people sided with the 10 spies. They didn't want to go to the land. Bring us back to Egypt. And God says, fine, you're going to walk through the desert for 40 years until everyone over the age of 18 is gone, dead. 40 years they walked. In judgment. So I remember talking to a friend. He says, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I mean, why would God do that? I said, you know, guys, sometimes judgment is, is small, and then sometimes the judgment is so great of a lesson that needs to be taught. And so if you're going through a wilderness, maybe God is bringing judgment as a part of your life. Or the wilderness can be a place of spiritual discipline because we don't, we don't like that word very God says this in Deuteronomy 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you in all the way in the desert those 40 years? And why? To humble you and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. I mean, as parents, we discipline, right? I mean, we should. We should discipline. And even as my dad, we were talking about this with a friend the other day. Even as my dad would spank me and say those immortal words, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah. I didn't understand it then. I did, I did after I had to discipline my kids for the first time. Never did my dad beat me in anger. I, I deserved every single whipping I got. I guarantee you that. But it was for a reason. It's for a purpose. And sometimes discipline is... God's love in real action. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it, Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Now, have you forgotten the word of encouragement? My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those whom he what? 
So guys, if he doesn't discipline you, then he doesn't love you. Again, I'm not saying you got to beat your kid or anything else because sometimes you take away a cell phone that's worse than the belt across the backside. Guarantee you that. You got to figure out what kind of discipline. But I guarantee you whatever discipline is, it's for love's sake. It's for, this is in your best interest for this to happen. The wilderness can be a place of testing and refinement preceding a season of fruitfulness. It might be this desert time is preparing you for an incredible time ahead. Jesus gets baptized, Matthew 4, and then immediately goes to the desert for 40 days. Goes toe-to-toe with the devil, uses the word of God to to fight the devil, and all of a sudden starts his public ministry after that. Good things happen at the end of a desert. Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings 17 is is told to go out into the desert, and God promises that there's going to be a creek there, and I'm going to send ravens to feed you. How about that one? To take care of you. But Then in 1 Kings 18... He goes toe-to-toe with, the, with the, the Baal worshipers, the priests, and brings down the fire of God. Sometimes, guys, the wilderness time is preparing you for something great. Don't assume that you're in the wilderness because God is done with you. That God has asleep at the wheel, if you will. It might be the very place where he's going to refine you and equip you and train you during that time, so do not look at that. If you check off the box, there's no sin in my life. There's no judgment that he's bringing. I mean, there's discipline here. God, what are you trying to show me? How are you trying to refine me? As I told my friend, do you journal? He says, no, I don't. I said, it's in the wilderness that you need to journal. You need to write these things down because that's when you're in tune, you're hearing more than you've ever heard before. Guarantee you. The wilderness can be a place where God wins our affections and crushes our idols. Sometimes when things are going so good, we kind of lean back in cruise control. And all of a sudden, it's during those great times and no conflict times, no stress. It's just, and, and you enjoy it. But all of a sudden, we can get lazy and our love for God can wane. And our love for the things of the world can pick up. And sometimes God will use that desert time to get our attention. In the book of Hosea, um, Hosea the prophet is instructed by God in the first chapter. I want you to go find a woman to marry who's has, has a thing for other men. I want you to go marry a woman that's going to go sleep around on you. I mean, how would you like that coming from God, all right? You're doing everything. i got to find a woman that's not going to do that. No, I want you to find a woman who's promiscuous that's going to go out there and do that. And he did. He found Gomer, who was a prostitute. Married her. Had kids with her. And what did Gomer do? 
what Gomer does as a prostitute. She kept selling herself out. She enjoyed the pleasure. She enjoyed the money. She enjoyed all this. And God kept sending Hosea to bring her back. You're going, what does this have to do with anything? Because God is saying, Israel, you're Gomer. I brought you up. I, I, I married you. But you choose to keep turning, 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 turning to idols, to this, to that. And this is the illustration that I, I'm Hosea. I keep coming back after you. Matter of fact, in Hosea 2.14, it says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Back to the wilderness. I'm going to pull her aside. I'm going to get her away from all these things. And I'm going to speak tenderly to her to win her back to me. That could be why you're going through a wilderness time. There's powerful things happen during that time. That's why I encourage you to make fasting a, a regular part of what you do in a year. Because when I get away for a time of prayer and fasting, I, I know... You know, sometimes the staff go, great, here he goes, going away for time. He's going to come back with some crazy idea. And I, I just say that because it seems like God speaks more loudly during the, those times because I've taken all the distractions away. It's in those times when you purposely get away in the wilderness that God could bring you back. God speaks uh, to Jacob in Deuteronomy 32. It says this, in a desert land he found him in a barren and howling waste. But he what? Shielded him. And what? Cared for him. And what? Guarded him as the apple of his like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. It's not saying that God is a cosmic chicken here, okay? That's not what he said. God is like an eagle who hovers, who shields and cares for and guards. And where? In the desert land he found him. The wilderness can be also a place where God makes his glory clear and compelling. Sometimes wilderness can be in, at the edge of despair. Uh, where we're at our very limit that we think. Our strength has been sapped. And we begin to ask questions. How will we survive? How will God provide? How will I make it through? When all the doors are closed, it seems. And it's funny how we tend to blame God for all those things and then accept glory when things are going well for us. Deuteronomy 8, 17 says, you, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And no, it hasn't. Sometimes we get all in ourselves and we have to be reminded of who's behind this in the first place. Who's really got the glory? 
And this phrase which says, you will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have, is true. I, I don't like the phrase, tell you the truth. Because that means God has to get me to the point that I'm leaning on nothing else. God has to get me to the point that all the things that I put my trust in, my hope in, have either failed me or been taken away from me. You will never know that God is all you, all you need until God is all you have. Let's say that together. You will never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. Time in the wilderness is not a waste. And John was there for 20 years. What did God say for 20 years? I can't even remember 20 days ago, 20 years ago. Everything in the story about John the Baptist evidenced the mighty intervention of God. And we keep going back to that John fulfilled his purpose, his call on his life. Are we fulfilling ours? And that desert time, that wilderness time, might be what God is having you do to walk through. Don't stop walking. There's a story told of a young man who found himself lost in a desert. And he lost his bearings and did not know where he was going. He was out of water. He was dehydrated. And all of a sudden, he sees in the distance a small wooden shack. And he makes his way to the shack and opens a door and there's a leash shade. And he sits down. But then he looks in the corner. There's one of those old water pumps, you know, the, one, ee, 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 the ones you, you had to pump to get water. And, and he's excited. He gets up and goes over and starts, ee, 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 ee. it's just rusty and just dry. Nothing is there. So he sits back down and decides, am I... Am I just going to die here? I'd rather die in the shade than out in the sun. And he notices there's a note at the bottom of this old water pump. And it says this, dear stranger, the pump is all right as of June 1932. <laughs> I put a new sucker washer in it and it should last for quite a few years. But the washer dries out, and the pump needs to be primed. You'll find under that white rock, I buried a jar of water out of the sun and corked it up. There's enough water in it to prime the pump, but not if you drink from it first. Pour about a quarter of the water into the pump, and let her soak a minute. Let that leather gasket swell up. And pour the rest of the water in and pump like mad. You'll have water, all that you can drink. Have faith. This well has never run dry. And P.S. When you get watered up, fill the bottle up and put it back where you found it for the next stranger who will come your way. So, he had a decision to make. I can drink it now. I'll most likely die, or I can take it by faith that if I 
pour the water in this pump and start pumping, they'll have all the water I need. So he made the decision. Uncorks it, pours a quarter in, and let it soak. Didn't know how far that went down. Then he poured the rest in and grabbed that handle and just started pumping. <laughs> Nothing. Just, man, he is pumping with a little strength that he has, and all of a sudden he noticed a sound difference, like suction. And all of a sudden, water comes pouring out of that. So much water, he takes his shoes off and puts his feet in the water, dips his hat and puts it on his head, and drinks till his belly is full. did like the note said. It filled up the bottle, put a cork in it, put it back in the hole, covered it up with a rock, but then wrote a P.S. on the bottom. P.S. It's true. It works. You got to give it all away before you get anything back. Walking through a desert sometimes is like pumping a handle, you're trying whatever you can and just, you're just hearing and you wonder has God left you? Has God forsaken you? No. It's in that wilderness time where God does his loudest talking. It's in that wilderness time that we begin to lean on the very basics that we start listening when we just used to do all the talking. Because that's when you can hear that, as the Bible describes, that still small voice, that whisper from God. You can't hear it with all the distractions in our way today. This wilderness time, God doesn't waste. Because it's back to, you have a purpose. I guarantee you there were times that John thought, I haven't heard you for a while, God. We tend to put all that money. Man, God spoke here. God spoke here. Guys, we squished that time too. How, how much time between where God spoke to Elijah or Elijah or Moses or whoever and then spoke again or when God talked to Paul? He doesn't say, well, yesterday he said this and today he said this, kind of like prophets today. I was sitting there talk, talking with God today. I'm not, just like it's a daily thing. It's never been true in my life. Maybe God's special with him, but you don't even see that in any apostles, any of the writings life. You just see there are times when God intercedes and said, this is going to take place. The rest of the time, we're just walking. We're just applying the things that God tells us to do and ultimately knowing what will this child guess what? God knows what he wants all of us to grow up to be. We get to choose whether that's true or not. Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you, one, you got us out here, got us dressed. That means you're not done with us yet. There's still something for us to do. I don't care how old we are, how young we are. Lord, may we find out what that is. You have a purpose. You have a call on us. May we truly be about fulfilling that. Father, help us take advantage of today. You've only given us today. Tomorrow's not promised to us. Yesterday's gone, and plus all the mistakes. Forgive us for those, but help us take advantage of today. 
whether that's a kind word to someone, whether that's loving on our family and friends, or maybe that's just sitting in the yard looking for butterflies. Father, help us listen, and if we're walking through a desert, may we not stop walking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.